Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. I have a question to answer today from Midge. It's a good one. It's a painful one. All right. Good morning, Susan. I'm writing today with an idea that I would love you to address in a vlog or somewhere if you can. I have read that several Brightline Eating members have experienced loss of friendships after doing this program, myself included. From out of the blue, I received a letter from a lifelong friend that she could no longer be my friend. It was a closed door, no warning, no conversation to see what was up to try to work it out. I'm getting the idea now that I'm not alone in this. Several folks on the Facebook site mention experiencing the same thing. Do you know what's going on with this? Do you have any ideas? Any way we can ward them off or ward this off? I'm thinking that had I realized that this might happen, I might have been able to open up a conversation with my previous friend before she ended the friendship. I experienced something like this as well back in the days when I first stopped drinking. I was no longer fun or part of the scene. I never lectured to my friend about Brightline Eating. I did share the friends and family video with her and when she told, I shared the friends and family with her when she told me that she noticed that I was way happier. I told her that I think it's because I'm finally in a right-sized body after a lifetime of struggling and I feel just plain overjoyed with having found this program. Yes, I'm very happy. I've attached a photograph of you and I at Brighton Bush this summer before we evacuated because of the smoke and fires. In health and gratitude, Midge. Oh, Midge, yeah, I know this one. <laughs> Wish I didn't, but I do. And I'm so sorry. I just wanna start off by saying, how painful, like really, how yuck. Um, I was talking to a friend this morning and she said, that yucks my yum. <laughs> I thought, it what? And she said, it yucks my yum. And I said, what a great phrase. I've never heard that. So yeah, I bet that yucks your yum. It's just, yeah, that's no good. That's, that's yucky. Um, yeah, not to make light of it because it's a big deal. Um, so yeah, I've experienced this. And so here's what I've experienced. I've been in recovery now of one form or another for like 23, going on 24 years, right? A long time. And I've experienced sort of the falling away of many friendships. I've seen it go the other way too. So I wanna tell you some of the trajectory here. Like um, my best friend, when I was a kid going to summer camp at Camp Tawanga in Yosemite in the summers was Shira, Shira Gold. And we were best friends when we were 10 and 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and then I started doing drugs. And we almost didn't talk at all when we were 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, then I got clean when I was 20. And when I was 21, we reconnected. She got married young, 21, 22. I went to her wedding um, and we started to form a relationship again. But during those peak teen years, I was going down the rabbit hole of drug addiction and she wasn't, and she wasn't going after me. And so we kind of had nothing in common for those years. Like I was, um, I was not associating with normal society and she was, you know, leading a normal life. And, um, you know, my drug use destroyed our, like it just it didn't destroy it. Like there was no falling out. There was, it was just like, so there's this saying, water seeks its own level. You can't stop water from seeking its own level. It's just gonna do that. 
So when people are living in dramatically different ways or one person's really growing and one person's not, or I mean, fill in the blanks, there's, you know, sort of an infinite, you know, variety of permutations of this, but water seeks its own level. So um, Midge, what's happened is you and your friend don't have much in common anymore. You know, it might be that she's jealous. It might be that she's threatened. It might be that she's got a food addiction and she doesn't want to look at it. It might be, might be, might be. I mean, I think the most benign interpretation is, you know, um, friendships are largely based on similarity. You know, research shows that like breeds like it when it comes to friendships and romantic relationships. And if you're kind of going in this direction and she's like, she's not, she's not, it's not her jam, you know, then okay, right? So um, my husband, David, and I almost split up over this. Um, in 2006, 2007, I'd been um, living this way of life for whatever it was since May of 2003, so a few years. Um, but 2004, 2005, 2006, I was doing a very, very sort of rigid version of what we do here at Brightline Eating. For example, I wouldn't out eat out in restaurants, really. I, I could go to a steakhouse or an American-style restaurant, but I wouldn't eat out in any type of ethnic restaurant at all because it felt too complicated. Um, well, really, I was in a 12-step food addiction program, and that's the type of program my sponsor was passing on to me, was she didn't let me eat out in those types of restaurants. She didn't let me eat out after a certain hour, like dinner had to be between 5 and 6.30. So I said no thank you to a lot of social engagements, you know, whatever. There was a long list, uh, and, and the restrictions were sort of extreme. And we discovered that I was infertile, and we were doing infertility treatments, um, gonadotropin hormone injections, followed by intrauterine insemination. It was an expensive, arduous, emotional um, set of procedures, round after round after round. It didn't work, and we'd do it again. It didn't work. We'd do it again. And the night before my birthday um, in 2006, and he's not a jerk. It's not like he left this letter on my computer keyboard because it was the night before my birthday. He did it because it was the night before I was supposed to start another round of injections. And he didn't want to go through it again. And, um, and he didn't want to be with me because of, my, because of how I was living my life. Like the, the restriction on, on my food and how it sort of dictated our lives felt intolerable to him and he couldn't imagine raising kids in this kind of environment he couldn't imagine traveling like it just was it just was too much and um so he left me a letter on the computer keyboard saying that he was done and he was moving out and he moved out and he got a lease a year-long lease on another apartment and he asked for a legal separation agreement and we did that in 2006 and um, he was gone for nine months and in those nine months i found a different sponsor and I started working a program where I could go out to a Chinese restaurant at 8 p.m. if I wanted to, you know, um, as long as I, you know, didn't eat sugar and flour and whatever. Like, it was cool. So during those nine months, I made several overtures to him to try to um, reconcile, and he wanted nothing to do with it. Like, he wouldn't even meet me for coffee. And then um, nine months later, I sent him an email saying, David, do you want to meet for Chinese food at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night? And that was the beginning of us reconciling when he realized, oh, she's doing something different now. And we got together and he, you know, <laughs> called me like three times the next day saying I had so much fun. And I was like, it's just me, you know, you know who I am. So, and he was like, he just wanted to rush right back. I was like, wait a second here, let's do some therapy. So we did a bunch of therapy. We've been back, 
you know, super, super happy, whatever, right? The rest is history. But I guess what I want to say is like, um, the way we work our program could be in the mix too. You know, when I take an inventory of the way I work my program, I was blind back then. Like I, I was doing things very rigidly because my sponsor told me to, and, um, and I didn't really get the impact on him. Like to me, it was like, I have the disease of food addiction and this is my treatment. You can't deny me my treatment. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? And within the little walls that I painted for myself, I felt very happy. Um, and so I just thought he was off base because this is what I needed for my food addiction treatment. Right. Um, and you know, then I found a new sponsor and it was like, I just kind of relaxed a little bit and it was like, okay, well, you know, Chinese food at 8 PM on a Wednesday night can be recovery too. Like it doesn't have to be so buttoned down. So, um, I don't know what, what your version is. My guess is like, there's a couple things that you wrote in there, Midge, that are like, they're noteworthy to me. One is she noticed you were a lot happier. So you shared the friends and family video with her so she could see why. Ding, 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 ding. Like a real friend loves it when we get happier, right? Unless it's like, you know, you're on a path with it that doesn't resonate with her. Water seeks its own level. Like if that's really not her path and you're going to a level that she's not going to flow at, then you know, I don't want to paint it as if it's always like we grow and they stay behind. Cause I think that's, um, not necessarily true always a and B it's like, it's a sort of a self-righteous demeaning sort, you know, sort of vantage point. I think sometimes it is kind of what happens where we're, we're growing, we're letting go of alcohol, excess food, things that don't serve us. And we're living in a different way. And people who want to keep using food and alcohol all the time as their go-tos, you know, we're not going to really enjoy each other's company that much anymore, right? Like there's a lot of mismatch there just in terms of like what we're going to get together and do. Um, so um, it sounds like it was hard for you and it sounds like it felt really abrupt and really sad. I don't think there's anything that you could have done differently uh, in terms of warning her or bracing her. I think you did. I mean, you already did. You've shared the friends and family video with her, which means that she could sort of understand how you might be different than her. Um, in general, here's my, here's my rubric for this kind of stuff in general. Um, I believe that in this life, we are charged with the care of just one soul and that's our own. Kids are on loan for a brief period of time. They're charged with the care of their soul. Like we get to help a little bit. They are not our charge. We are our charge. We are charged with the care of just one soul and that's our own. And our job is to find our truth and live it. To be the best version of ourselves using our gifts and our strengths to the betterment of ourselves and the world and all of the, pe all of the people around us. It's to shine the way we were born to shine to be ourselves and anyone who vibrates with us on that frequency as we become better and better and better versions of ourselves are the people that are in our inner circle. Like those are the people we want to run with. And in my experience, it is absolutely true that as we become better and better and better versions of ourselves, there are people who won't jive with us anymore for a variety of reasons water seeks its own level. And as we grow and change, that means that some relationships aren't going to, 
survive that transition. I've got some relationships in my life right now that are like that. They're not surviving the transition, you know? Doesn't mean they're, you know, bad or wrong or I'm bad or wrong. Doesn't mean I love them any less. It's just like, you know, they were in my life a lot a while ago and they're not so much anymore. And um, when I check myself, I am becoming a better and better and better version of myself. I feel awesome about the path I'm on. And Midge, it sounds like you feel awesome about the path you're on. It sounds like you feel happy. I mean, you told me so, right? Like, you feel awesome. So go baby, like be that, do that. And anyone who wants to like be in your sphere, you know, as you're doing that, right on baby, those are your people. And it's sad and there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do. Um, if there's resentment left over, a little of um, what we call samskara, that Sanskrit for like residue, like karmic residue. If you have samskara left over with this woman, you can do some loving kindness meditation for her. Like as you sit in meditation, you can wish her well. You can pray that she's happy and peaceful and healthy and strong and that she live with ease. And you do that for a little bit and that samskara will just wash away. You wish her well. You wish her well. But water seeks its own level. Thanks for writing in, Midge. I bet a lot of people really needed to hear that topic today. And that's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.